All right. Um. So this next movie is an. You know what? A lot of these movies that I'm talking about are like those awards contenders. So if you're like, what the fuck is this movie? Oh, you're so freaking like highbrow elitist. Yeah, and you're so freaking lowbrow. You know, only watching blockbusters. Oh, <laughs> um. Okay. So this next movie is called Tar. This was directed by Todd Fields, and it stars Kate Blanchett. And this is a movie where I was like, oh, this is gonna be one of those super overhyped autobiographies graphical kind of movies um first of all this is not a real character that i know of and, and i don't know if it's based off of anybody else but the way Kate Blanchett plays this character is really really amazing because you have this character who she's supposed to be like this really famous composer in the world of music and um you sort of follow her journey and how her career basically starts breaking down because what you find out as you're watching the movie is that she's not a good person She's the kind of person who takes advantage of other people and she doesn't care about other people's feelings of like the other people that are like maybe within her circle, within her professional circle. She's just doing what she can to get ahead. And, you know, that basically comes back at her. And I would say this movie is about two hours, two and a half hours long. I feel like it could have been a little bit short, but at the same time, I just sort of enjoyed watching her playing this character and just sort of being stressed out and seeing her get the stuff that she deserves but it's funny because sometimes you watch a character and they're just plain evil she's not evil i feel like some of the decisions that she makes in this movie you'd be like maybe i would make that sort of decision if i was in her place but you know it still comes from a place of vanity and just her trying to protect herself so i like that it has like this gray field going on for her and then the ending, the ending of this movie just sent me like it's so memey, bro. You haven't seen this movie, but like basically her career falls down to the point where she like she's just like because shoot, I don't remember what was the I think like news came out that she was the reason like she literally freaking told somebody to kill themselves or some, something like that. Yeah, like, you know, it wasn't that. The, yeah. Or like somebody was trying to re- reach out to her like some pupil or some peer was trying to reach out to her and she kept denying them ignoring them or something and then like they uh killed themselves and um so this the news eventually comes out like even though she tries deleting traces of it from her emails news comes out and yeah this movie has like a whole commentary on cancel culture and all that too right and um so by the end of it she literally ends up moving to like thailand and just starts like doing um conducting for like (laughs) she starts conducting for like people who show up for like conventions and cosplays and stuff you see what i mean like it's just such a like bizarre ending but i guess it works because when you first watch the movie you think it's a very serious movie because of the way it's so well shot like it has a very classy feel to it but when you go back and rewatch it you realize this is actually a much funnier movie especially when you realize that you're not really meant to be rooting for her character so i really enjoyed this movie there's once again i'm i can see why it's nominated for the amount of oscars that it is and Kate Blanchett also being nominated for Best Actor, like, actress, I mean. Like, I know a lot of people are rooting for Michelle Yeoh to win, but if she doesn't win, if Kate Blanchett wins, like, I'm also not going to be too upset about that because she did a really, really good job um, embodying this character. Do you dare doubt the power of Michelle Yeoh's googly eyes? I do not doubt that. Oh, trust me. I, I like, I have 99.9% faith that woman's winning, but if she doesn't, if it goes to Kate Blanchett, like, I also wouldn't mind. 100% is it. Oh, my God, you're so annoying. Um, so, yeah, that is Tar. Please check it out. Okay, um, uh, another movie uh, that I thought was really good. Okay, yeah. So this movie's called. Rrr, rrr. I can't roll my tongue. This guy can't roll his R's. He can't go. <laughs> okay, that was even worse. Do that again. <laughs> what are you, a cat? Okay. Um, yeah. So it was Revenge, Revolts, Revolution, or RRR. 
Okay, yeah. So this was a movie made by a bunch of people. Unfortunately, I don't remember their names, and I apologize for that. But despite that, I I really like this movie. Like, um, it's like it's supposed to be, I guess, kind of real, kind of historic. Like, it does take place in back in nineteen uh, twenties. Yeah, I think it's nineteen twenties India. Yeah, but I don't think the actual like story is real. It just it's that setting, but it does its own stuff. Yeah, it's inspired by inspired by true events. You know how it goes. Anyways, yeah. So I really like this movie because I think the story like I understood like it was a pretty simplistic story. I think it was like oh, the bad guys are the British and the good guys are the um the, the Obviously, the Indians, right? And that's that's obviously what it is, right? But more so than that, I feel like that's more of a backdrop to serve as the main focus of the story, which is the relationship between the two. Um, the two, they're not brothers, are they? They're what? What are they? Yeah, in a very like friendly way, they yeah, are. Yeah, like paternal, uh, plat- platonic, fraternal, fraternal, whatever, platonic, platonic, tectonic. Okay, um, uh, brothers, like. Th- are you seeing the muscles on those people? Of course, they were tectonic. Pause, bro. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, despite that, like, I I like the relationship that they had. Um, in fact, I liked. Uh, I can't remember the characters' names, but I liked the one guy who was like infiltrating the British army from the inside. Where it's like they showed him and like his struggles and how he got to where he is, and it's like they kind of try to explain why he did what he did. Because initially, when he first captures his other brother. Um, and you're and just beating him to it with a freaking whip. I was like, damn, that's pretty bad. But then they explained to him how it's like his family was under attack and it's like his father, he was doing this also. He could liberate his village, get all their weapons and guns. So th- like that kind of helped me get behind him a little bit more and kind of made me see where it's coming from. And then obviously the, the other, the other brother or whatever, um, he, he was pretty good as well. He was just like. I think his character a little too um, one note. It's just he's the good guy, but I mean he does have his emotions and stuff, and it, it is a time of war. So what do you like? There's only so much you can feel, um, and in relation like him wanting to save his little sister and stuff. I was like I can get behind that, and yeah, I but like as good as that was, like I think the main thing you're going to watch this movie for is two things, three, one the action, two the CG. Which okay, give or take, and then three, I think the music and the um, the dance numbers. So I think from an action perspective, I think it's a, obviously it's a little bit over the top, but I think it's done in a way where it's stylistic. So it's like these characters are presented as more larger than life characters in terms of their feats, like two men taking out an entire British army. Obviously, that's not realistic, but it's fine because I was fine with it because I was like it kind of fits within the the decisions that were made within the movie. Where it's like everything is a little exaggerated. Everything is a little uh, fantastical. Like the way I describe this movie is almost like folklore. Where it's like it'd be a story you would see people, elders tell their kids or whatever. Of like something they read in some holy scripture or something like that. So that, that's if I look at it through that lens, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's not the most realistic movie. But everything else I liked about it. Well, there's that one scene where he literally has him on his knee well, he picks him up on his knees and then it is shooting him while he's on and and it's like he literally sitting on his uh on his shoulders or whatever and shooting him so yeah it does have its goofy moments but i mean it has its charms in that way as well and the thing is despite it being three t- three hours as long i didn't feel the time surprisingly most bollywood movies when i watch i'm like 
okay, yeah, this is dragging on. This is one of the few where I'm like, no, I don't think it's too long. In fact, there are actually certain things I wish they did a little bit more. I wanted to see a little bit more of the bridge people. Like, we saw them. They were the villains. They did their thing. But then, like, they got taken out, I think, a bit too easily. I think, like, especially, like, my pet peeve with uh, the movie, I think, was the final battle. Instead, if they had just the two of them, if they actually had all the village people who were there and angered by um, him getting beat to death almost, right? Uh, if they had come and it was an actual like war between the Britishers and the people, I think that would have been good because they would have won not just through their strength individually, but they would have won by inspiring the people. I feel like that would have been a more fitting end. And obviously everybody would have gotten involved. But, I mean, I'm fine with what they did. I, uh, I like what they did. The action was sick, uh, as over top as it was. Uh, the CG, I think for Bollywood standards, is pretty good. Like the tiger, uh, that, that that one scene where he just unveils all the animals out of the cage and they just come and start attacking. I thought that was pretty good as well. And then I would say the other thing I really liked uh, was uh, the Britishers. Like uh, their characters, yeah, they're pretty one note. They're pretty tropey. But like within that, I still hated their guts, which I feel like they did a pretty good job on that. The only... Or not the only thing, but like one thing I really liked is they didn't shy away from showing brutality. Like when someone like when the guy, the one of the brothers got caught. Right. And they're just beating him, beating him. You see like blood coming out. You see his kneecaps like all messed up. You And then even when the, the British, like the main guy, Scott or whatever. Right. When he like gets killed or whatever and they shoot him through an arrow. I'm like, OK, this is good. This is what I want. Don't shy away from this stuff because I feel like it adds more um, gravity to the situation. Because when he got whipped by that thing, the whatever, the by the whip, obviously, with a bunch of thorns on it, I was like, yo, this is actually pretty bad. And I mean bad isn't good. So, like, it actually made me care on that level. So, yeah, has to be on there. Yeah, um, totally agree. Especially the part that you said about how this is a very larger-than-life kind of movie. And because this movie isn't setting out to be some sort of, like, a... Um, historical fiction kind of thing like it can take the liberties that it does and just overall it's a very fun experience like we watched it a bit with our families and we watched it like the rest of it on our own and it was still just a fun time where you're rooting for these characters and I think to what you said about like some of the characters especially like um, the Britishers being one note and stuff I think it's just sort of meant to be that way because they're not the focus right like you want them to be defeated it, it, it plays part of like into that fantasy of like you know the oppressor's um, finally being um, overtaken by the oppressed, right? And, you know, that's part of the liberties being taken. Now, the next movie that I'm going to talk about has a bit more of controversy surrounding it because of its historical fiction and especially the fiction aspect of it and its inaccuracies. Um, this is The Woman King. I actually really, really enjoyed this movie. And actually, I can address the controversy about it real quick, which I think is a little bit silly. Like, I know people are talking about how this movie is supposed to be depicting the, the Dahomey tribe, from oh shoot i forgot which country uh but it's supposed to be depicting a specific tribe and in the movie they tend to make this tribe look a lot more holier and good than they were in real life because in real life the, this tribe was also part of the transatlantic slave trade that was happening but in the movie they try to make it seem like they don't really do that or like they don't think that way um the only thing that i don't like i think the thing that's been kind of weird to me about this entire controversy is like why is this like the movie that we're starting to pick on for historical inaccuracies when there's other movies especially when you don't get many like amazing movies with like amazing black women leading uh in terms of like the characters and the direction and all that um 
yeah so i don't know if that's kind of silly to me but let's talk about the movie itself i think this is a very entertaining movie because they do such a good job of having you care about all the characters you care about um viola davis's character who eventually becomes the woman king duh she's if you've seen her and the stuff that she's been in you know she's really good at playing like these strong um lead characters and like being in roles of leadership like she always does such a good job and she has like a certain um steeliness that's the only word that i can think stoicism yes um but there's a little bit of steel and grit to her character that works really really well um then you have characters like um oh crap what was the name of the character um the new character that ends up um coming into the um female warrior um training academy thing you want to call she did such a good job of like you know playing like this spunky character that wants to prove herself but you know she has to learn how to you know like really hone her skills and learn to be the kind of warrior that she's meant to be then you have um lashana lynch's character who plays the supporting character of oh my god i'm so sorry i forgot the names of all these characters which i really really loved her supporting character she's just sort of like that older sister kind of character who um sure is sort of teasing our main character at times but then at the same time you know is always there for her and supporting her um uh john boyega is also in this movie i don't know if you knew that but he plays um (laughs) he plays like this king of like another he yeah he plays the king of like the tribe bashenga no he plays the king that they're like the the tribe that they're part of and he does a good job too because he's also you know uh, like he is also more of a supporting actor because he's not really meant to be the main focus right but it's him being like you know very supportive of the fact that you have like this all-female um warrior what am i not warrior team um clan. fighting clan fight like fighting force and he's supportive <laughs> why am i not like able to come up with the word that i'm trying to say but uh I he also has a very like certain quiet charm to him too that like, when he's playing it and like he's just he's this character that has like like a million wives or something so one of his wives is sort of like um I guess like, she kind of plays into, so he a pimp uh, I don't know about that but it's like she sort of sort of plays into like an evil evil stepmother kind of role but not to like a very so this is a Disney movie now see now here's part of the commentary that I've seen a lot of people say that what Hollywood is trying to do with a story like this is really make it too accessible for people to the point where you might think it's Disney-fied. I don't see why that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's a very enjoyable movie. Like, this is the kind of story that it could easily be caught up in a lot of co- of its complexities if you really go, like... I understand the decision but that they had wouldn't you to- want it to be accessible? Like, I don't see why that's a bad thing. That's what I'm saying. it's already taking liberties with the f- historical inaccuracies anyway, so you might as well just make it accessible for people. That's exactly it. And that's I think that's why it's reaching out to a lot more people than it would have. But actually, even very recently, I saw Viola Davis was doing an interview where she was talking about the fact that when they were making and producing this movie, like one of the things they had to keep in mind was how could this be accessible to someone like the average white person, which obviously she was sort of going on about, like, why does it have to just be for white people? Right. But in some ways, like it's true that when you watch the movie, you're going to be like, oh, this is a very straightforward story. You know who these characters are and maybe like it's the type the tropes that they play into as the kind of characters they're meant to be playing um but it works like it's a good hollywood movie about like a war that's happening and once again having the oppressed you know taking over the oppressors yeah so like kind of adding to that point like the whole accessibility thing like i think it's about striking a healthy balance of like yeah you try to make it 
as faithful as you can to the original source material, which is history. But at the same time, it's like, I think, um, making it accessible to people who may not have been associated, because obviously not everyone's going to know about this story. So I think having a balance where it's like those who do know what happened, they enjoy it. And those who didn't know what happened, they also enjoy it. I feel like it's always the perfect medium. Absolutely. And I don't think people should be looking at movies as their only source of education. Like, if you watch a movie where you're like, oh, that's interesting. That took place in real life. I think the next thing you're going to be doing is searching it up, right? Like on the internet, whether that's wiki or wherever else to be like, okay, so what actually happened, right? Like if you're going to take this movie as its only source of like education for yourself, then maybe that's not the best, you know, thing that you should be doing. Yeah. If you're starting off by using movies as like your initial source for anything, no, there's a problem there. Like you do not watch movies are always meant to, if you want to get historical accuracy, go watch a documentary, not the women king. And even though it's documentaries, they're going to have their own like viewpoint. You'll at least get more factual information than you will from a movie. So Yeah, exactly. So um, as a movie, I think The Woman King is very, very entertaining. It's one of those movies where like I remember hearing about it and thinking, do I really want to watch this? But when I watched it, I was like, I'm glad I did. It is entertaining and I would really recommend that more people watch it just so they can at least see more people of color taking charge and just doing a good job of taking these sorts of different characters that you would normally see like maybe like white people playing for example and seeing them play it and within like their own culture and heritage does viola davis put pe- uh, collars around people's necks and blow their heads off no. oh no okay <laughs> anyways yeah i'm gonna talk about another movie um this is one of the recent movies i saw it was pretty thalassic yeah, yeah, it was very thalassic, yeah. For a breath. You'll know. Yo, this is like the only takeaway he's gotten from the movie. All he's been saying is the word thalassic. I didn't care about everything else, but just the word thalassic. It just freaking pees me off, man, that girl. That lady, whenever she said it, it was like, literally, I was like, sit your ass down and stop talking. Anyways, yeah, so for those of you in the know, or not in the know, um, I should say, yeah, so the next movie on my list is The Menu. So I had heard a lot of stuff from a lot of people about this movie. They were talking about how good it was, how good Rafe, Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, it, he's Voldemort with the nose, okay? Um, yeah, so, like, I heard a lot of things about how good it was, how good, like, the the characters were, the story was, and I was like, okay, cool, cool. Um, I, I'm, I went in expecting, okay, I... I thought it was going to be a good movie i didn't i like i didn't go like i wasn't i don't think i was prepared for how good i thought this movie was i really like this movie like most of the times when it comes to these movies i'm like okay are good but like not great i'll be like okay that was good and then i'll never go back and watch it this on the other hand is a movie where i'm like either i'm gonna go watch back multiple times or what i like to do for movies i really like I want to get to know more about. I like to watch behind the scenes stuff about what the actors and characters, like the director and stuff, what their thought process was. And this was actually surprisingly one of those movies. The other thing is seeing a lot of people doing their analysis on like certain scenes in the movie or like certain things, specifically like food and like what those represent in terms of like the plot or um, what's going on in the characters lives and stuff like for example take the cheeseburger right that has a significant that means something in the movie right so like and i'm also going to say it actually looked the best out of all the food so apparently like you put all this other like high class food and the one thing that actually looks edible is the damn freaking cheeseburger but like 
that's my point like everything has a place everything has a reason for being there i also really liked when they cooked each thing they showed the ingredients on like why i made it up and then as the movie got it it just went more and more ridiculous like it was like tyler's bullshit and then it was like at the end there's like customers chefs food or whatever the final thing so there's that but yeah kind of getting to the point of this movie like what I really liked is this movie does not waste time getting started. Like, it just starts and it goes. Like, puts its foot on the gas, doesn't stop. And, like, as I mentioned, Ray Fiennes was really great. I also liked Anya Taylor-Joy's character. What was her name? Um, Margo? No, it was Aaron, but, like, it was Margo. So, like, she was, she was double-timing. Yeah, those were the two characters where I was like, those were stand-up performances. But another character, I must admit... Like, I like John Leguizamo. Like, all the side characters were good. But the, another side character I liked was Nicholas Holt's character. Mostly because I just hated his character so much. In the beginning, like, when him and Anya Taylor-Joy's character are interacting, I'm like, she was kind of like, oh, she was very nonchalant about the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, yo, the dude's excited about, like, um, the food and stuff. I was like, just give him a break. It's like, yo, he likes it. Like, just let him have his time. But then as the movie went on, I'm like, okay, I hate your guts. Like, like go jump off a cliff or whatever. Now he does something almost identical. He unfortunately hangs himself, but like, like I did like his character. Um, as time went on, like I liked, I liked the actor. Obviously I didn't like the character. I mean, I liked, I liked the character, but like, I know he was meant to be kind of like a, or antagonist. Uh, so there was that. And, uh, yeah, so those three are the real standouts, standouts for me. There are things like, it's a, it's a cooking, it's a movie really around cooking. They better make the food look good. Um, and when they needed to, they, they made the food look really good. Obviously some of the other dishes, they didn't look good, but I feel like that was done on purpose to kind of show the point that like all those high class dishes are not made from love. Whereas the one simple thing, cheeseburger is so like it was done with purpose and stylistic reasoning. So there was that. Now, the other thing I also liked was the intensity. When he claps his hands to, like, show, oh, it's the time for, like, the next deal or, like, the next meal, I was like, yo, that almost, like, someone brought it up. It's, like, its own version of a jump scare where it's, like, it's simple. It's a simple thing. It's just someone clapping their hands, and yet it's turned into an actual device that runs the plot forward or, like, helps uh, invoke an emotion in the audience. And then the other thing um, is that, like, the 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 clapping thing i all it made me realize that you don't need to scare people with like something showing up on the screen um with like you know how you do in most horror movies where it's like there's like a ghost that comes up or a demonic thing or whatever right it's like a creature you don't need to do that to strike fear into the audience you can do something as simple as a clap and you can get everybody's attention and surprise them so that's what i really appreciate it didn't need to use horror to actually invoke the emotions it wanted to so there was that. And then the other thing was it was unpredictable. Like there were two times where I was like, well, okay. I was surprised when the sous chef, the sous chef first one, he just shot himself. I'm like, what is going on? And I was like, okay, from that moment, I knew th- 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 things were going to go off the rails. Like I knew things were going to go off the rails. So I appreciated that. Cause I was like, at that point, I'm like, I can't predict any of this. And then there's another thing, which I think a lot of people are talking about is I thought the movie would go one way, and I think most people did, where it's like it was going to be a cannibalism thing because they focused a lot on, like, showing the meat and showing how it was put in this, like, freezer or whatever, in this cottage or whatever. So I was like, oh, is this a cannibalism thing? But it didn't go there, and I'm glad it didn't because it kind of kept you on, kept you guessing on your toes or whatever. And then the other thing I liked, um, kind of similar to Glass Onion, it did something similar. It said you're all going to – told everybody you're all going to die. 
and that was not the point to find out if you were going to die the point was to see how you're going to like what's going to lead up to it and then at the same time why he wants to kill everybody um yeah and then the other thing is i like the sound design that was really good and then uh oh the final thing i liked was i liked how everyone was in initially shown to be this really high class person like larger than life. Oh, I'm this big actor. I'm this big investor. I'm this big whatever food critic or whatever. But slowly, everybody's lies were starting to be exposed, and they were being exposed for the scumbags they really are. Like specifically that tortilla scene, where it's like they just start having people's bank records and like people cheating on each other. Like that slowly starting to unravel. I really like that to the point where I was like, okay, like it just proves that everybody who's high class—not everybody, but a lot of people who are high class in society they're it's all a front social media the way like people of high class have kind of ruined i feel like the observation and uh, analysis of art i think uh like just going into nitty-gritty details as opposed to just enjoying something for what it is i feel like that was really brought to the forefront and it made me think about it in a way that i don't think other movies had up until now so yeah the menu definitely worth the watch Oh yeah, the menu was just such an intriguing movie. I think the only thing that I want to add about this movie is that I kept comparing it to that movie that came out a couple years ago by Ari Aster, uh, Midsummer. I know you haven't seen it yet, but dude, it's very similar vibes, a lot of similar scenes ish as well. And in the same way that you're talking about how the menu is very unpredictable, you're like you don't know what the hell's gonna happen next. Same thing with Midsummer. So. I guess if you kind of want to do a double feature, you could do Midsummer on the menu and you'd get a pretty, you'd be pretty satisfied is what I would say. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one that I want to talk about is actually not a movie movie. It's a documentary. Um, I only started watching this because I heard so much um, about it on Twitter. Uh, this is called The Fire of Love. This is, oh crap, I don't know any of the names of anybody involved in this movie. I'm so sorry. But it's a documentary about these two people who are a couple and they were volcanologists in the early like 70s and 80s and up up until the 90s and this movie does a really good job of one you just get to see really cool amazing shots of like volcanoes spewing and that kind of stuff and you can see how passionate these two volcanologists were because yo they get so up close where you're like what if these people die it's so scary and they basically explain a little bit more about like how volcanoes work too right like you have um something called or what they called red volcanoes and i think gray volcanoes so the red ones are the ones where you see all the lava spewing like that crazy orange stuff. And apparently that's not as bad. Like it's a bit harmless compared to the gray ones. The gray ones come with like the ash and smoke. That's the really lethal stuff, right? Um, and then of course, and the thing is that unfortunately both of them died because of a volcano like in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So it's like Dante's, what was it? Dante's Peak? What, what was it? Inferno. Inferno, whatever. The one where people get burned to death because like in their city, uh, the volcano explodes. Are you talking about Pompeii? No, 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 no. Um, it's Dante's Peak, I think it was. I, I'm not. Whatever. I'm not sure. But um, what I love about this movie is it does such a good job of just talking about the aspect of love, not just like in a romantic way, but also because through their love of volcanoes, they found love in each other. Um, it's it's very interesting. Like it's not. It sounds melodramatic and sappy, but it's really not because they do a good job of exploring the the passion that they had for the volcanoes that they were studying and how they would go all around the world and they even get to a point where they want to be teaching others about volcanoes because they realize like there are certain communities that live 
by active volcanoes and what they could do to be preventing like well like, you can't prevent a volcano from <laughs> erupting but what they can make a time machine <laughs> oh my god let me start talking about that doctor who episode where they go to pompeii <laughs> um no uh but at some point then they start realizing okay what we can do like what we've done with our collection of knowledge and um film because they all they were always filming and so that's a, a lot of the footage of this documentary has that as well um so all this knowledge that they've collected, what they could be doing is to help others who live around these sorts of active volcanoes so that they can like save their lives and save the, uh, these communities. Because there's been moments where like they have gone to communities and, you know, people died and they were like, you know, our knowledge could have helped them. So I love that they sort of go into that as well. Um, and it's a very really cool movie to look at, especially knowing that a lot of that footage is original footage that they themselves made. So you can see sort of what their eyes like you see the world and the world of volcanoes through their eyes. Really well done. Interesting enough, the narration, I don't know who did it, but it has a very like, you know, indie folklore singer kind of vibe to it. Like the breathy, very stylistic way of narrating. Which to some people, I think, were like, that's kind of weird. It's it, it's sort of like, it's different. Because a lot of documentary narration is very matter-of-fact and very just... So, so this was a very interesting stylistic choice, but it, it weirdly worked. Like, it's not something that I'm like, oh, this peeves me. At first, it's a bit off-putting, but you get used to it. And I think it works with the overall tone of the movie and how they're talking about, like, you know this idea of these two people falling in love and volcanoes like i make it sound so reductive that that's all it is but there is more to the documentary than that but i was just like really into it the whole time so if you're looking to watch something that is different than just a movie but you also want to watch something that's really wholesome and sweet and you want to learn something about something as like cool as volcanoes then definitely check out fire of love well you sure had a lot of passion for that uh i have a lot of fire the, no and love, love. Oh. Damn it, you stole my thing. Okay. Anyways, uh I think we're coming up on our last movie for favorite movies of the year. So Oh, never mind. Never mind. Our, our penultimate. How about that? Um yeah, so for me, um kind of switching lanes a little bit. I like from the big blockbusters and stuff, one of the movies I really liked that I saw, I don't know how many people saw it, but it was the Weird Owl movie that came out last year starring Daniel Radcliffe. Like going into it, I was like, it's weird owl. It's going to be a uh, is I guarantee you there's going to be funny stuff in it. I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of like moments I'm probably going to remember or like uh, oh it's going to be just funny and a good time overall. And yeah, it was that, right? But it also had other elements where I'm like, "Oh, I didn't expect that." Or, oh, it had I didn't think about that or whatever, right? So, first of all, starting off, Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, like he's the main character obviously. If movies on his shoulder, if he doesn't work, movie doesn't, right? And I got to say he really worked as Weird Al. Like I'm used to seeing Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. I think as most people are. So going into this, uh, that was my big question. Will I see Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al or will I see Weird Al? And honestly, within the first five minutes, I can say I saw Weird Al. Like the whole movie, I was like, this does not seem like Daniel Radcliffe. Like not to say, obviously, I've not seen every single Daniel Radcliffe movie, but I did not see Harry Potter. I did not see a guy pretending to be Weird Al. I saw a guy, I saw someone completely different is what the point I'm trying to say. And the other thing is like, he has a British accent, like Daniel Radcliffe, right? But in the movie, I couldn't tell at all. He just sounded as American as you could probably sound. So I'm like, okay, that's good. Like, I think he, I think he himself probably made a concerted, like, an effort, like it's a weird effort, to um, make sure that his character comes across as far away, removed from whatever he's done in the past, while still being true to what Weird Al is, right? Which is just a quirky character. 
I hate that word, but whatever. Um, yeah, so Daniel Radcliffe was great as that. And the other thing was, like, every time I saw a movie, I saw Weird Al. That, that, that's all I saw. So that was really good. Um, the, the other thing I liked, which I mentioned earlier, is, like, Weird Al, we know, whoever knows Weird Al, he, we know that he does parodies on songs, right? Famous songs and stuff. This movie does something Weird Al does, which is it does a parody on the biographical movie. So... Like you, everybody, when it comes to biography, like, I, I don't know why I kept thinking about, you remember the Bohemian Rhapsody movie? Okay. I don't know why that kept coming into my head, but it was like, imagine taking that movie and making a parody and you get this movie where it's like, you have like a singer who really wants to like perform, but it's like the parents and his existing structure in his life, what, like familial structure is preventing him from going out and achieving injury. This does the same thing, right? And it's like that, but it does it in a very uh, satirical way, right? So it's pretty funny along those lines, right? And it's a bit out there. Like, don't expect accuracy from this at all. You can tell. If you know anything about Weird Al, you're going to be like, no, this is, this is not completely accurate. There's certain things, sure, but like, the like it is not accurate. But it, it knows that. The movie knows that. And despite that, it plays into that in a way where like it like the audience, you you understanding that, you can appreciate for what it does. Like, there's a complete side plot where literally it, there's a kidnapping that happens in the movie. And it's like he has to go and rescue someone who's like in a... Like Pablo Escobar kidnapped his girlfriend and then he has to go and rescue her. Yes. Completely ridiculous. Like when I tell you. But in the movie, it's hilarious, right? Like, I described this to my sister. I'm like, if you've ever seen Tropic Thunder, imagine Tropic Thunder, but if like in that style, but it was meant for weird owl or whatever where it goes all like off the edges so like because of that i can i really appreciated uh what this movie was setting out to do so there was that rain wilson's in the movie he plays dr demento i think it's a guy in weird owl's life or whatever right so like he was really good as well i wish we got more of him like he, he was really good and that, that was one of the things i liked about this movie like it's only an hour and forty seven minutes, right? But I could have easily gone for two fifteen, two thirty, even if they wanted to, because the movie was just so out there. I was like, I don't care if it's realistic. I just don't care about anything else. Just, just give me more of this shit, because this was great. Like, and when a movie can do that, I feel like that's when it really won me over. I'm like, I don't want it to end. I just want, to keep, just keep giving me more unrealistic scenarios with these characters. I'll closely watch this over and over. And over. So similar to how when I was talking about Banshees of Inisherin, and I was talking about how it's weird and out there, but like it sort of fits into the entire tone of the movie. Is that what you would say this movie is too? Yes, hundred percent. Like there, like I said, that whole side plot is there. Him and Madonna are dating in this movie. Like their boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, it's completely like I don't. Okay, maybe that happened. Maybe it did. But like the way they play it is just so unrealistic, and I don't care because like the the way they it was all about the execution. It it was great. Like I. It, you like you could just call this it's like based on true events because that's the same thing it was right but i i cared i gave a shit that that was the number one thing and then the other thing is like it was wholesome surprisingly like he, uh, like when these uh, biographical movies come out right like with especially with music artists and stuff right it's a lot of like oh there's a lot of fame but there's a lot of darkness going on in terms of like drugs and like bad influence and stuff. This movie has that too, don't get me wrong, but it also has a lot of wholesome moments, especially with uh, uh, Weird Al, Weird Al and his father, right? Like having a whole backstory on like why he was because he was the one who was basically opposing him going and following his dream. So you kind of learn the backstory about why um, his father was doing that, and it's it's basically like. 
his father when he was young <laughs> there's like a whole accordion sort of thing or it's like weird Al wants to learn how to play accordion but his father won't let him and stuff and it's because like his father when he was younger he got made fun of and his dreams failed of becoming a famous accordionist or whatever so it's like <laughs> like it kind of played into that but i don't know how real that was but this despite that point like i i i like the fact that um it kind of delved toward the relationship between the three. The best part about this, they actually have Weird Al cameo in this movie. He plays one of the record executives who tells Weird, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character, no, you can't do it. So it's funny. Weird Al parodies is in a movie parodying Weird Al parodying whatever. So yeah, he, that was great. And then the other thing is, I like two other things. They had a lot of celebrity cameos. Like I saw Patton Oswald, I saw Jack Black. I saw, who's the guy from Batman? Um... No, no. Polka, Polka, Polka Dot Man. Who plays Polka Dot Man? Yeah, that, that guy, right? Yeah, they have Polka Dot Man. Um, they have a couple other characters, right? But they're in there. But what I liked is the sub- celebrity cameos didn't take away. Like, they weren't. They didn't take me out of the movie. It was just a, oh, that's him. And then that was it. They just moved over, right? Like, that's what... I, and that's how I think cameos should be done. The final thing I'll say is that... Um, the movie made me laugh. This movie is hilarious. I like I was dying laughing in a couple of scenes. So, yeah, if you're just looking for a movie to kind of change gears a bit, Weird Al is definitely I think if you're into Weird Al and his history or even if you're not, if you're just looking for a good time and some something to make you laugh this one, definitely. All right. Um, wow. This podcast has been going on for quite a bit, but I do want to talk about this last movie. I would be so upset if I didn't get a chance to at least talk about it a little bit here because I don't feel like I've seen a lot of people. No, you know what? There's been a lot of discussion about this movie, just maybe not so much in real life. Um, you've probably heard about the movie Babylon, right? Yeah. Yeah. This movie is so... I don't... like. It's very divisive because it... To me, I'm on the side that says this is a really freaking amazing movie. It's so much fun. And it's three hours, but you don't feel the three hours. There's just so much going on. It's... um very eccentric and you're following like a bunch of different characters and sort of how they're trying to navigate through hollywood because this takes place like in the 1920s 30s like basically what uh, one of the things that they're doing in this movie is they're talking about how um because they're they're like silent movie stars or like you know people working within the industry as while you have silent movies still and now they're slowly transitioning into talking movies right and you see how some people are thriving because of it and some people like their careers are starting to fail because of it and it's it's a movie about movies and i think it does a good job of exploring how much movies mean to people like even way back then like now sure like you and me for example we sit down we talk about movies we love watching them we connect to them in a certain way right but even the people making them, even back then when they were having all these different technological changes and stuff, they still enjoyed what they were doing. And so I loved that this movie doesn't shy away from that. And it shows you the uh, ups and downs of having those sorts of big changes come about. And you can say that about any industry, but seeing that within movies itself, I think was very special. Um, you have amazing performances from Margot Robbie, for example. Like she plays um, Nellie Leroy, who is trying to make it big and she does she does whatever she can to make it big but you can see that like um she also has like different layers to her and she's also trying her best to get to where she is without um really sacrificing her talent for it or sacrificing what she thinks is right really well done um you've got supporting characters like brad pitt and diego calva and and um sorry i'm no leonardo dicaprio this is not once upon a time in hollywood 
I have not seen that movie yet, but I think this might be different than that. It's definitely a lot more. Um, it's def- it's definitely very. You know what? I can't I can't talk about that movie if I haven't seen it. But I'm gonna say this is a lot of fun. This is a very very fun movie to watch. Um, you don't feel the three hours. The score. Oh my god! I have not been able to stop listening to that score. It's so much fun. It, it's got a very like big pompous jazzy vibe to it. Really fun. And once you listen to it, you get it stuck in your head, bro. Like I, if I ever make you listen to like that main theme that they have, it's called Voodoo Mama. So much fun. Yeah, it's it's a really fun track, and I think the composer for that, um, Justin Hurwitz, has already been winning awards for it. So I'm expecting him to like win the award, like the Oscar for that as well, because it's that good. It's really really Best fun. Soundtrack? Best soundtrack. Mm. Yeah, and it's Damien Chazelle. Like his movies and his soundtracks always tend to be really good. Like they take center stage. Yeah. So like I'm expecting this to be. Um, the same as that. Um, shoot, there was something else I didn't want to talk about this movie, and I don't remember, except for... If you don't have one more thing to add about Weird Al, just say. Uh, you can talk about that real quick while I try to remember. Yeah, okay, so while she, she tries to remember, um, yeah, this podcast going off the rails right now, but um, yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to say was that the inspiration, <laughs> so the biggest liberty is the movie Weird Al takes is the way he gets inspiration for his songs is so hilarious. Like, there's a whole scene where instead, like, you know how Beat It was made and then he made Eat It? It's flipped. It's like, oh, he made Eat It first and then the, some hack named Michael Jackson came and made Beat It. So I, I just had to add that. Okay. That sounds pretty funny. And actually, speaking of funny, the thing that I wanted to mention was Babylon has one of the funniest scenes I've seen all year. I'm going to show it to you when I get a chance. It's so funny, bro. It, Basically, so it's this whole idea of like they're now moving into um, talking movies, right? And it's the frustration because they're still trying to get a hang of it. And there's so much timing and coordination that you have to do, right? Which made me appreciate like sound editing and stuff so much more, right? But back in the day, it's like they used to, they never really used to say stuff where they just lip synced or whatever, right? But now people actually have to talk. So now they have to enunciate. Now they have to make sure they're not breathing too loudly. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And they don't have like the best mics like we do, for example, right? So the mics pick up stuff, right? So you have to be very coordinated. And this entire scene, it's just them doing the take over and over again to the point where everybody in the room is getting frustrated and some dude literally dies. (laughs) It's so funny. When I watch, you want to think about it now. Like I'm ready to bust out a gut. It's just so funny. So um, it, it, it reminds me of that scene in The Disaster Artist. You ever see where uh, James Franco's character is doing Tommy Wiseau, where it's like he's just doing the I did not hit it. It's bullshit. I did not hit it. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Did you, you ever yeah, see? I, yeah. I know the scene. I just haven't seen yeah. The Disaster Artist itself. I, I can't remember if they did it a bunch of times, but if they maybe it's my Mandela Mandela effect going on. But if if it's like that, bro, I'm gonna die laughing. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, Babylon, this movie has a lot of charm. I'm trying to understand why people may not have liked it. I think it's because there isn't as coherent of like a um, plot structure because you're not following one character. You're sort of following five. But you know what? Even when you have movies where you're following different characters. Do their plots converge into one event? Some no, they don't. That's the thing. Maybe that's what it is because you're following five different people. And even though like they cross paths and stuff, at the same time, it's not as coherent. As other movies that would have several characters would. I mean, that, maybe that concept does work though. I like the Big Short's another example where I know it worked, where they had characters all focused on the same recession, right? But they were they never once interacted with each other. They're all in their own spaces. No, no, these characters interact, but it's not like they're oh. leading up to like a bigger grand interaction in the end. It's not like that. So I'm thinking that's the reason why people may not have connected with this as much. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I don't know. Other than that, it's a good movie. It's a great time. It's a great movie about movies that I think more people will come to like as time goes on. It's going to be, I think, I think this is one of those movies that'll age well. And you're going to see those takes on Twitter, like unpopular opinion, but Babylon was actually amazing. Let me just say I was here before that. (laughs) Or maybe it goes the other way and say Babylon's still bad 10 years from now. I hope not. Um, okay, so this podcast has gone on for quite a while. I'm thinking maybe we might do something where we might just like divide it into two parts, maybe, and then I'll release it like this Tuesday and next Tuesday. Maybe we can do something like that. Yeah. Um, anything else that I wanted to mention? Um, I know we were going to quickly mention maybe some of our favorite, like not favorite, sorry, um, some of the most anticipated movies we're looking forward to, but I just don't think we have the time to do that now. You'll basically see whatever movies we're looking there's one. There's only one. There's only one. I don't care about any other movie that comes out. There's only one movie in the history of existence that is only going to matter to me in this upcoming year. That movie is called Transformers Rise of the Beast. If you like any other movie besides that movie, I'm about to flip shit and come to your house and beat the shit out of you. So... You can't threaten your viewers. Gosh. Which means I'm not expecting you for any other review ever again on this channel. No. No, 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 no. I'm going to come and tell you how bad everything else is. But when Transformers comes, I'm about to flip shit. <laughs> God. Yeah, he's like such a fanboy of Transformers. So don't worry. He's probably going to be doing a solo review for Transformers because I'm not. Yeah, because when I nerd out, you know how long this part is? This is hour and 38 minutes when I or whatever. Um, When I nerd out, it's going to be about three hours. So you better get ready for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, be ready for that in advance. Um, So, yes, uh, at this point. We are probably going to wrap it up here. I don't think there's anything else to add besides thank you so much for sticking around, whether this is all in one part or in two parts. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, 2022, I think, um, had a good se- good selection of movies. I think 2023, on if I'm being honest, I think it's going to be even better with all the movies that I'm seeing coming out. But then again, I could say, I'm pretty sure I'll say that at the end of next year and the next year and the next year. But yeah, good movies for this past year. Um, Yeah, looking forward to a lot more, more movies this year. And yeah, hopefully same with the pod. So, Oh yeah, same here. I'm very, very excited for the upcoming movies that we have. Um, 2022 was, I think, the year that I really sort of started to take movies even more seriously and start sort of watching everything that was coming out or as much as that I possibly could. I was following like um, film festivals and all the good movies coming out from there as well because I wanted something that was a bit of a change from just like, you know, your blockbusters. And that's why I've been talking a lot about the Oscars as well. Like we will be covering the Oscars to a certain extent, maybe talking about some like the bigger categories and stuff. So please be on the lookout for that because then we can get a chance to talk about these movies a little bit more before we start talking about just 2023 movies as well. Um, As always, thank you very, very much for tuning in to Post Credit Club. Um, Please catch us on all your favorite podcast listening platforms and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.